I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, March 30th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, we've talked about Robin Abramovich a bunch over the past couple of weeks. He is a Russian oligarch, for lack of a better term. He's also the owner of Chelsea, which is how it came up on the podcast. But then I saw him trending on Twitter. What is going on? Well, he was apparently poisoned. Now, this is like, I think this is something that's hard to confirm. But what happened was that him, alongside some negotiators who were involved in the peace process, they like had this burning sensation in their eyes. They couldn't stop crying. Their like skin was burning. It, it, it was all kind of suspect. And so, yeah, they, they, apparently he might have been poisoned. Crazy. Just adds further intrigue to the whole thing. It's very much in this respect. I mean, it's all very sad and very complicated. And geopolitics is challenging right now. But it also seems like a James Bond kind of movie. Totally. If I'm reading it right. I, I was yeah. I was thinking the same thing. It's like a John le Carre novel. Like it's like all spy stuff now. The the you know the interesting thing about Roman Abramovich. He's an interesting character in himself now because there was word that Zelensky had told President Biden not to sanction Abramovich for fear that he would then not be able to participate in the peace process. And Zelensky thinks that he'll be actually very helpful. So of all the oligarchs, he's now becoming a pretty important figure. It's it's all it's all very interesting. He's still gonna lose his soccer team though. Yeah, well, he's only, you know, worst case scenario, he loses it to LT, Larry Tannenbaum. Well, I I think BMO would be a great home field for Chelsea. Aside from Roman Abramovich, peace negotiations, and possible poisoning, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, Net Zero. For our second story, Web3 Lobbying. And for our third story, Be On Guard. For our first story, Canada has announced a new emissions plan, which outlines how it will meet its net zero commitments by 20. 50. Brett, this seems like big news. What's going on? Big news indeed, Jay. So Environment Minister Stephen Guibault introduced the new plan, which, by the way, I said that name right, unlike some people on the podcast, which included target goals that must be hit by 2030 to stay on track. Now, the two biggest points in the plan are, one, a 42% reduction in emissions by the oil and gas sector. Now, Guibault said the government is still considering implementing a cap on oil and gas emissions, but this plan will inform how that cap is actually set. And a 23% reduction in emissions and transportation. This goal comes with an updated mandate that 20% of new passenger vehicles must be battery operated by 2026, 60% by 2030, and 100% by 2035, plus a $400 million expansion to a charging station installation plan and $1.7 billion increase in the government's electric vehicle rebate program. That's a lot. That infrastructure really feels like what's holding back electric vehicles in Canada. It's so tough to find a charging station that if you made them more accessible, it would probably, it should at least in their case, uh, accelerate uh, adoption. But in terms of why it's all happening right now, the plan comes at a time when the country needs to put its money where its mouth is. Next month's annual report on Canada's emissions is expected to show that in 2020, Canada exceeded emission targets for the seventh time in two decades. And this is, by the way, during COVID. So it's odd. The most current emissions inventory showed that Canada produced 730 million tons of greenhouse gases in 2019. To reach their goal for 2030, they need to cut roughly 300 million tons. It doesn't seem like it's going according to plan. No, and that's why this matters. Canada's net zero by 2050 pledge is ambitious for a country that, as you said, hasn't met any of its climate targets in the nine plans it's devised since 1990. This one promises that the goals will actually be achieved and a healthy and safe future for all Canadians really depends on it. So let's hope we get it right. 
For our second story, 11 of Canada's most prominent crypto and Web3 companies, including Wellsimple and Dapper Labs, formed an industry council to help the Canadian Web3 space at and collaborate with the government on creating a unified national strategy for blockchain regulations. This is what they're trying to do in the US under Joe Biden's executive order as well. Now, Jay, what's this new group plan to do? Well, the Canadian Web3 Council wants to help policymakers better understand Web3's potential and help them navigate the often confusing lexicon surrounding it. They could also listen to this podcast because we talk about it a lot. Now, the members of the group saw the need for this after the Finance Committee hearing surrounding the freezing of the Freedom Convoy protesters' digital assets. But Brett, why should PeakPals care about what's going on with the Canadian Web3 Council? While it's easy to roll your eyes at the metaverse and NFT gimmicks, it's like that Bored Ape restaurant we talked about last week, which was just a bit out there. But over 1.2 million Canadians currently own cryptocurrencies and 5.6% of Canadian internet users own at least one NFT. That's crazy, Jay. I can't believe that. But these numbers could increase if crypto's utility and legality are clarified through legislation. They're really looking for regulatory clarity. And for our final story, according to the Canadian Security Intelligence Services, much better known as CSIS, Canadian organizations are often the victims of thousands of cyber attacks every single day. And this was in a story in the Financial Post. Brett, this is really concerning. I'm going to update all my passwords right now. But why is this happening? Update your passwords as much as you want. I think it's time to unplug. It's too risky out there. During testimony at the Federal National Defense Committee, the spy agency pointed to the evolution of technology and unprecedented changes in online environments as the primary cause. And a recent report by Canada's Communications Security Establishment, so the CSE, points to hundreds of known ransomware attacks against Canadians in 2021, with more than half against critical infrastructure like hospitals, governments, and universities. Well, those are three things that we don't want to be struck with a cyber attack, that's for sure. Now, it's probably worth asking who's committing all of these attacks. Well, spoiler alert, numerous government reports on the country's cybersecurity landscape have listed that state-sponsored cyber attacks as the are the greatest strategic threat to Canada right now, with China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran posing the greatest threat. And if you weren't already creeped out, although they're not aware of any immediate threats to Canadian organizations in relation to the events in and around Ukraine... The agency has repeatedly warned organizations to be on guard from Russian state-sponsored hackers. So, Brett, what are we supposed to do about all this? Well, yeah, that's the tough part, right? There's really not much you and I can do besides updating our passwords and kind of using proper security hygiene. But our cybersecurity fate is really in the hands of big tech companies and their cloud platforms, the biggest public cloud providers, Amazon Web Services, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud. They've all made acquisitions in the cybersecurity space over the last year. And it's possible that others will follow as companies look to ramp up their protection efforts. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, because I know you don't have any idea what I'm talking about, I want you to know that I'm still not talking about Bruno. Just right over my head. You know, I'm going to look into it now, though, because I'm, I'm tired of this. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs>